Women's health needs, and especially our hormonal needs, are finally receiving the attention we've deserved for years. And Hormone Harmony, a new sponsor of SelfWork, rates as one of the top five hormonal supplement companies out there. If you're a young woman struggling with that week before your period when moods can be all over the place, and I certainly don't miss that, or older when you're so glad menopause is here, but if you're like me, you sometimes stare at yourself in the mirror and ask, where did I go? Hormone Harmony has become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media, and a bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Basically, if you breathe in and out slowly twice, that's the amount of time it takes for one more woman to understand she can reach out for help, no matter what her age, through Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code SELFWORK at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code SELFWORK for 15% off today. This is Self-Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self-Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self-Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own Self-Work. Hello, and welcome to Self-Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I've been in practice well, for over 25 years. And I began this podcast last year in order to extend the walls of my practice and reach out to those who might already be interested in therapy and psychological issues, but also to those who might be curious about what someone like me, a psychologist, would have to say about various things in our culture. So welcome today. We have a special treat today. Many of you may know The Mighty, which is a tremendous website that features not only mental health, but all kinds of medical issues. And today we're going to be talking with Sarah Schuster. Sarah has a very simple, elegant bio. She says she runs the mental health section at the Mighty. Actually, her title is editor. She graduated with a journalism degree from Syracuse University and currently lives in Los Angeles. I am privileged to have several pieces on the Mighty, as well as doing a monthly Facebook Live for them, which is something I look forward to every month. Mostly we do it on depression and anxiety. It's on the third Wednesday of the month, if any of you would like to join me there on Mental Health on the Mighty. But today we're going to be talking to Sarah about not only her job and her position at the Mighty, but her own personal journey with anxiety, which she's very open about. So, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. How would you describe the Mighty's like their mission for anyone not knowing about it? Yeah, so the Mighty has actually changed since I've been there. I've been there for three years now, huh? um, which is so intense to think about. But I, I think at the basis of what we are is that we're an online community, right? We're an online community for people who live with different mental illnesses, different chronic illnesses, um, mm-hmm. disabilities autism. Um, We basically want to be a space where people can have honest conversations about their health. Mm -hmm. Um, At the beginning, that just looked like stories, right? We were publishing articles, um, kind of hoping that people would find them when they need them. An example I like to say is that we want to be the person or the place that you find 
when you're Googling information about your disorder. So instead of just finding WebMD, you're actually taken to a portal of all these personal stories. Well, I think you've accomplished that mission. That was an (laughs) an incredible site. And I will tell the listeners, they have over 600 different illnesses that you can click on and learn more about and hear about from the people who actually have those illnesses or their family members or somebody associated with the problem. Yes, yes. And that's what it is, right? It's really about finding information about what you're going through that's personal. That's from a person who's been there. And and that's kind of the basis of what we do. And now, um, along with the story sharing, we also, you know, we'll write about news we think is relevant to the community. We create content we think is relevant to the communities. And we also just launched a feature that's more of a platform. So even if you're not a writer, even if you're not someone who necessarily wants to write an essay, you can still post to the mighty.com and receive feedback from people who've been there. So that's kind oh, of what we're neat. starting. And hopefully as our community grows, it'll also be less online. Hopefully there'll be stuff that happens outside the internet too. But the base of what we do is community stories, um, first person's accounts of just people's different experiences. With so have you been involved since the very beginning or did you join, did you get on board a little later? Yeah, so I came on, I want to say it was a little bit after the Mighty's first birthday. Mm. Uh, It's funny because I actually remember the launch of the Mighty because the editor-in-chief, Meg Griffo, the woman who um, really spearheaded the editorial team, we actually went to school together. Oh, how neat. We were friends, but we we were friends enough to be friends on Facebook. Like we had just like really briefly crossed path at like a student publication. And I remember the day she launched the Mighty, reaching out to her out of the blue and being like, hey, this looks really cool. At that point, I was still in school. I wasn't even thinking about what I wanted to do. But I remember the first day the Mighty started, and I want to say about maybe a year and a half later is when I, I ended up coming on. And I came on as a contributing editor, which meant I just mm-hmm. edited general stories. And then soon after, I want to say maybe five months later, I we launched the mental health section. And then so I was the first person to spearhead the mental health section. And that's how I first met you because you got back with me when I submitted a piece. I no. kept seeing the mighty.com and I thought, what is it? And I went to go look and I thought, well, I'm a therapist. Can therapists, you know, uh, submit? And I did. I submitted some Perfectly Hidden Depression, which I've done a lot of podcasts on that too. And it was it was well received. And so... I've just been very, very happy with relationship. Can anybody submit? And as a psychologist, I know that journaling can often be really, really helpful to someone. But having a piece published on an internationally known site is, you know, a huge leap from that. And some of the pieces are incredible. But I wonder if you have any way of gauging whether someone is ready for that kind of exposure. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we have a few criteria we look at when we choose pieces. I think the number one thing that has stayed pretty consistent since I've been here is will the story help someone? Uh, That's pretty much the number one question mm-hmm. that I try to answer when I'm reviewing a piece. We get so many amazing submissions. And like you said, like we can't take all of them really yeah. because of just time and in our staff, right? Like we only have, I only have um, two editors working with me on the mental health section. Oh, wow. <laughs> and if I could publish and work with 
almost every piece we got, like I definitely would, right? But that's not the reality. So the first question we ask is, will, is, will this help someone? Mm-hmm. Like you said, I'm a journaler, right? Like journaling is so important for a lot of people just to get things out of your head. You bet. If you look back at your own journal, you can see like, okay, this was good for me, but I don't know if this would necessarily help someone else on their journey. So we really intentionally choose stories that are obviously personal, that are raw, but also have some kind of takeaway that we feel like could help someone else. So the takeaway can be a lot of things, right? Sometimes if someone's explaining a really unique experience in like a cool, interesting way, the takeaway could be someone else reads that and realizes, oh my God, I'm not the only one who goes through that. One of my favorite comments I've ever seen on A Mighty Story is if people who say, this is something I've experienced, I've just never known how to say it. And you said something that I've been thinking my entire life. That is the best. So that's a huge thing. Or if someone just has like a specific take on something that we feel like maybe other people hadn't thought of that way. Um, That's really what we're looking for, some kind of takeaway. So I feel like that's kind of the first filter. And some stories we just don't publish because there may be more personal musings. Maybe there's less something we feel like other people can grab onto. And we're also looking for things like, you know, technical stuff like word count. Um, You know, if someone writes a (laughs) 3,000 word essay, that's not something we necessarily uh, (laughs) work with. So we're really looking for pieces of people's lives that are kind of concise that have something people can take away from. And we also tend to not publish what we call like more journey stories, which Mm -hmm. is somebody kind of telling their whole story from start to finish. This is when I first started like experiencing anxiety. This is when I got diagnosed. This is what happened then and then and then and then. We actually prefer people who tell us moments. So we're really into looking at people's moments in their life, moments Mm -hmm. in their journey with mental health or whatever they're writing about. And those tend to be the stronger pieces that we end up publishing. And those are the pieces that make an impact. Having this job of running this side and reading all these pieces, what do you find is changing in you? You know, you may talk with the staff about this and I'm around, well, I do therapy four days out of five of the week. And, you know, I hear tremendous courage and, and, but I also hear a lot of pain and I wonder how, that's impacting you and your staff? That's a great question. There are definitely days that are harder than others when you're talking about reading a lot of people's pain, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and something that I have to tell, there's a few things. Something that I definitely tell my editors um, and something I hope they try to practice is kind of making sure that the stories that you're editing are really balanced with what you can handle that day. So we have a, a my editor Juliet's really amazing and she ends up because of her own personal experience writing uh, re- writing and editing a lot about trauma mm-hmm. and there are days when she does like four trauma pieces in a row and it's just like gotta do something else gotta mm-hmm. move on she did a great piece on um the second year of 13 reasons why yeah. warning people not to read it not to watch it I thought it was yeah. a great piece I shared it on my Facebook page Oh, amazing. Yeah, no, she does a lot of great work in like the trauma space. She writes a lot about entertainment. But I think part of what we have to do is be honest about our limits and say that there are some days where, um, you know, I can't edit another piece that's mm-hmm. dark or about suicide or about, you know, sadness. So I'm going to move on and do something lighter. You'll also see that we have a lot of meme pieces or we have yeah. some lighter <laughs> yeah. pieces. And it's not, and people like them, but also it's not entirely random. It's like for ourselves, we kind of have to balance. That's something that I really think. But another thing is too, 
just, I mean, and I'm sure you know what this is like. You have to really have, I call it like my editor hat mm-hmm. where I can like count on, I can count on like one hand how many stories have actually kind of really affected me where I had to like leave the office. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I'm able to kind of do it with a certain level of distance where I always go in a story with like a mission in mind. The mission is I'm making, I'm crafting the story for it to reach someone else. And if I get like personally affected by every story that I read, um, I wouldn't be able to do it. So there is a level of, I think like professional distance that kind of helps us survive. It also just like talking about it too in the office, like making sure that we have an open environment where you can talk about how like a great example actually is with people kind of expressing their limits is I did, you, you know, you mentioned 13 reasons why I did none of the 13 reasons why coverage. I did not watch 13 reasons why I knew as soon as I heard um, that season one featured a suicide scene Mm -hmm. that I was not just based on my personal experience. I was not going to be able, that wasn't going to be good for me. Mm -hmm. So um, just kind of being able to express limits was really important for me to learn. And I guess Mm -hmm. I try to, I hope my my team feels like they can do that too because it, it can be hard, but it's also really inspiring, right? I feel like for every piece that's really heartbreaking, there are ten more that are really inspiring. Yes, um, so you know, maybe it's important for listeners to understand that when you say you're working with a piece that. If their piece is accepted, it will also be edited. You'll get some help with it to to make sure that it's something that you feel good about and the editors feel good about, that you, you don't just put it out with no help at all. Yeah, and it's, it's not just, you know, I really feel like we, we nourish these pieces. That's really how I feel when I'm working with a piece. Like, yeah, we're looking for typos. We're looking for grammar stuff, which happens to everyone. Um but there is a lot of love and energy that goes into each piece. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely like an emotional toll that is very worth it. But it's a toll, you know, and so it's a lot about balance, a lot about knowing your limits. Um, but again, for the most part, the re- it's so rewarding that um, there are only a few times I feel like where we've had to like pump the brakes and be like, okay, like, you know, a little too much time to take a break. Yeah. Oh, good for you. That, I mean, that's sort of self-care, very important in our profession. And so... Um, I mean, people ask me, how do you listen to problems all day? And one of the things I tell them is, I, one, I also see tremendous strength every day and tremendous, um, well, I said courage before, but it is courage. And that's, you know, I focus on that as well. Now, I know you made a choice that I've also made as a psychologist. Um, you talk about your own anxiety. You talk about, you've written about it. Some some of your pieces have gone wildly viral. And so what was that choice like for you to go on and and talk about what happened to you? And the rest of your staff does it too. Yeah. Um, So to me, I've always processed what I've gone through through writing. Mm -hmm. So before I was publishing stuff on The Mighty, I was writing about it in my journal um, in college. I was writing about it in creative writing classes that I took. And even in my um, my work in you know journalism, when I was taking journalism classes, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't writing about myself, before I kind of even had like mental health as a thing I might pursue professionally, I was writing about mental health in my journalism classes. Oh, a lot of the time okay. we got to choose a topic and... 
I would gravitate towards writing about mental health issues, even though it wasn't something publicly I was ever talking about. Hmm. Um, the first time I wrote about my own mental health was actually for um, an Active Minds blog that I um, became a part of my junior year of college. And it was literally like a coming out piece about going to the counseling center. Wow. And at that point, I had told no one that I was struggling with the passive suicidal thoughts I was struggling with, with the anxiety I was struggling with, with the um, negative self thoughts and depression I was struggling with. I would literally, you know, put on my gym clothes to go to therapy because I didn't want my roommates to know where I was going. Yeah. And when I wrote about it, and again, the word distance feels very cold, but I was able to present it in a way that I had control over. I was really scared about talking about it with anyone, but for me to craft a piece, that was kind of the only way I could express what I was going through. And sure. it got to a point where I kind of needed to. So I remember putting that piece out and seeing all the responses and having people who I, you know, wasn't even that close to say, I also go to the counseling center. Like, oh my goodness, like no one was talking, I know the counseling center exists and no one was talking about, you know, who was going or who wasn't going. It was such a, um, you know, a dirty secret. And so I think that was a huge spark for me where I was like, okay, like, even if I have a hard time talking about what I'm going through um, to my friends and family, writing is a way I can do it in a way that I feel like I still have a little control over. And I really enjoy that process. And I really enjoy the feedback. I actually think writing about it came before I could even talk to my friends and family about it. Strangely enough, I don't know why there's something about crafting something and putting on the internet that actually felt easier to me yeah, than yeah, looking yeah. my boyfriend in the eye and being like, I'm struggling. That's actually stuff I'm still working on now. I had the exact same, <laughs> exact same experience. And I had Jennifer Marshall on about a month or so ago of This Is My Brave. I and um, I did the This Is My Brave here locally last year. <laughs> and, you know, I had written a, I'd written about my panic disorder. I'd written about my history with an eating disorder. I... But to get up there in front of 200 people, and even in rehearsal, I got emotional. And it was just something about, it was a vulnerability that I, I did not feel as much when I put it on the internet. Although I did wonder if people would say, well, I'm not going to go to her for therapy. She's, she's not well yet. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But it's just the opposite. You know, people yeah, want to know that's what I found. are human, you know, mm. and I'm sure you know that in your yeah. own practice. I knew that, it in my head, but not necessarily yeah. in my gut. <laughs> and I think that happens to a lot of advocates too, where you're expected to be well, if you're writing about it and you're talking about it, that's just not the case. It's actually a pretty dangerous mindset that mm -hmm. people who are helping other people can't be struggling themselves, you know? Right. So let's, this is a easy segue into stigma. <laughs> Do you think that the Mahdi is having an impact on stigma? What are, what kind of feedback are you getting from people who read things and think, okay, you know, I'm going to, I am going to talk to, uh, my friend or my spouse or my parents, or I'm going to go to counseling. Do you have any kind of indication of how the Mighty and other sites like This Is My Brave and Stigma Fighters with, with Sarah Fader? My guess would be you don't have a, a real tangible way of seeing that you're just trying to put it out there and, and change our culture. 
Yeah, well, I think the the few tangible things we can hold on to is when people share our stories, right? So uh. just like for me, um, it was easier to write about it than to talk about it. I think for some people, having the mighty as a tool to share what they're going through. So even if you're not someone who's comfortable sharing your own story, to share a mighty story, to email someone a mighty story is a really good way to say this is something that I relate to. Sure. I've had people say, well, I don't ever like any of your pieces because my friend will see it and know that, you know, that I have it. And so when they do share it and when they do quote unquote like it, then it shows a lot of growth in that area on their part. Yes, exactly. And obviously not everyone is ready for it, but Mm -hmm. I do think the mighty can be mighty pieces can be used as conversation starters. Mm -hmm. And as many people who don't feel comfortable commenting because they don't want people to see their name um, associated with like an article about depression, for example. I do hope that at least a few people, maybe for the first time, are sharing or liking a piece um, to kind of own part of their struggle. Um, I think that's the most tangible way that I see it. People saying, I showed this piece to my loved one and I've never been able to talk about it with them before, but this was kind of easier thing I could that at least opened the door a little bit. And just to know, even like seeing a piece about depression that has like hundreds of comments or a bunch of likes, it really makes you realize like, oh, this is not something I'm going through alone. A whole community of people who are all, you know, spending time and looking at this one piece. Um, I do hope that encourages people to kind of humanize a lot of these issues and realize that, you know, Sharing a mighty piece is a really good first step. Maybe that leads to a different conversation. Um, That's a great point. That's a great point. When I have people who go into residential treatment because they get suicidal or they have an addiction they can't control, one of the major things they come back saying to me is, you know, I liked the people that were there with me. There were people, they'd be people that I'd hang out with. I, I had this stereotype of a heroin addict or someone who was suicidal or, you know, anything like that. And then they'll come back and say, you know, I don't have those stereotypes anymore. It's, it's John and Jane and <laughs> they're people, you know, with these problems. And so it's a huge uh, light bulb that goes on. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And just getting names and faces to issues that seem so scary and isolating. Um, I think that's everything. You talked a little bit about sort of what's on the horizon that y'all are starting a platform. I didn't quite understand if someone wanted to, if one of our listeners wanted to post something on the platform, what would they have to do? Yeah, so it's so new. It's such a baby. I think it's, a. Oh, I want to say it's like maybe three weeks old at this point. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but literally, um, you can go to themighty.com. The homepage actually looks different than you might remember if you've been there before. And if you don't already have an account, you can make an account, email, profile, basic stuff like that. And then you literally at the top right corner can um, press a button where you can post either a thought or a question. Oh. And that's that's our new platform. You know, Obviously, you can still submit a story. If you're someone who has an essay that you're hoping to share with the world, there's the same way you can submit um, your essays. But um, there's the second part where, yeah, where you can just post a thought and we have comment moderators. We have people making sure that it's, um, you know, the mighty continues to be a safe place where Mm -hmm. people are posting spam or posting hate, but for the most part, it's free game. And we've seen a lot of good come out of it so far. It's actually been pretty amazing to see how many people 
are, um, are, you know, sharing, sharing their thoughts. One of my favorite things to see is someone sharing, um, yeah, maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're sharing a dark thought and I like swoop in being like, Oh, I have to like, you know, help this person. And then six people have already commented on the, on the thought offering their support. So it's, it's just started, but it's pretty cool. And the idea is to make the mighty more, um, a little more accessible, right? Like mm-hmm. not everyone's a writer, not everyone has time to write an essay, you know, we don't want to limit people by one format. Um, we want people to be able to connect and express themselves and get the same feeling that I've gotten when I publish an essay and like a bunch of people like it, but in like a, in a, yeah, in a, in a smaller way on our platform. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it's been exciting so far. I, maybe I, I get the metaphor of it's the difference between, I don't know, going to a, a seminar somewhere and doing that and then just having a conversation about it with friends, you know, it's a lot less formal. They're definitely just conversations, you know, like you don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to um, say anything even super profound. <laughs> well, that's good. No, it's, it's a super like a very just like judgment free zone. And I think it's, we're trying to be a place where um, someone who perhaps wants to express something but like doesn't feel safe posting on Facebook for whatever reason mm-hmm. can know that if they post something on the mighty, they're going to be automatically surrounded by people who get it. Um, that's what we're hoping for. Well, I think that's a great direction to go in. And, and again, sort of makes it a little more casual, a little less uh, foreboding for someone who doesn't think mm-hmm. of themselves as being able to write very well and just to say, this is where I am today and, and get some feedback about that. I want y'all to know that Sarah's actually taking time off her vacation to be with us today. So thank you so much for that. Um, I'm sure your mother and father are just delighted you're doing something professional. <laughs> they, they understand. They, I, I got, yeah, they understand. So thank you for that. And by the way, my son is in L.A. And next time I come to L.A., I'm coming to the offices of the Mighty and I'm going to meet all of you in person. I hope you like dogs. <laughs> I love dogs. <laughs> We have, we have more than a few dogs in the mighty office. It's very funny. Quick story. We found out our neighbors, um, we live in a, we work in an office building with a few other places and our neighbors thought that we were a dog grooming business because of all the dogs. <laughs> and we're, we're like, oh my God, that's not even close to what we do, but it's so funny that you think that. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. That is hilarious. Well, yeah. I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. I've been very grateful that some of my pieces were featured on The Mighty, and I just love doing the monthly Facebook Live. For any of you that might be interested, that happens every third Wednesday of the month uh, at 1 o'clock Central Standard Time. And we do all kinds of topics, depression, uh, trauma, depression and anxiety. It's mostly based around depression, but it's been... Uh, wonderful to get feedback from people all over the world about what they're going through and it's always lots of questions and um, so I keep very busy for about 30 or 40 minutes and try to think on my feet but it's 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 I love it and look forward to it every month so we're so lucky to have you I mean the mighty it's a it's a platform it's a space like we're you know we're nothing without people like you and like our contributors who share their work with us right without that we you know we don't have value. So we, yeah, I love that you've been, you've done that for so long and that you keep doing it. And yeah, that's great. It's great. Well, I want to invite everybody who's listening to submit something to the mighty or get on their platform. Again, it's the mighty.com and Sarah, thank you so much. And I'm going to meet you 
very soon. I cannot wait. (laughs) Okay, thanks. No problem. So I thought that was a wonderful interview with Sarah Schuster, and I so appreciate her coming on. I hope you learned a lot about themighty.com. I want to thank you all for being here. I'm loving doing these interviews, and I hope that you're enjoying them too. I really am trying to bring you some of the interesting things that are happening uh, both nationally and internationally with mental health. So I've got some lined up, and I, and I do hope you enjoy them. Again, there are many ways of reaching out to me and connecting with me. My email is askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com, and I love getting comments from all of you. My email is confidential, so no one else is going to see what you write, just me. And if you don't want me to talk about it on air, just simply tell me. Or you can go to my website, which is drmargaretrutherford.com, creatively enough, and you can subscribe there, and you'll get a weekly newsletter with my blog post and my podcast for that week, as well as a free copy of an ebook, which is called Seven Commandments of Good Therapy. It's about how to choose a good therapist. Then, of course, I, I so appreciate ratings and reviews. I think I said in the last podcast that I'd love to get up to 200 ratings on iTunes. I really try to stay away from those numbers, but wow, that would be fantastic. And of course, the reviews themselves give me information about what you're enjoying, how you're using self-work, and gives me an idea of how I can be most helpful to all of you. You can also subscribe, of course, and that's very motivational and inspiring for me when I realize that people are waiting to hear what I have to say or if the topic is going to be interesting to them. I say frequently that we talk about very diverse things here at Self-Work, so one episode may not be your cup of tea, but the next one may fit you quite well. So thank you for being here. I so appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed Sarah Schuster in learning more about the mighty. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and you've been listening to Self Work.